Today on our show, don't wear your wolf hat in the woods, but do serve the kitty some beer when the gophers are playing. Fargo season three pivots into its home stretch, and we're talking about season three, episode eight, Who Rules the Land of Denial? Stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Yeah. Hey. ABTV Fargo, the only place you can go if you want to see Dave Child and Tara Erickson do that dance to that specific piece of music while those lights flash on their faces. I am Lex Michael. I am all over social media at the Lex Michael. And as always, I am joined by. Oh, I'm Dave Child. You can find me at MRDaveChild or DaveChild.com. Ooh, I can't wait to talk about this app. Oh, I'm Tara Erickson. You guys can find me on YouTube.com backslash Tara Erickson or Twitter at the Tara Erickson, Instagram at Tara Erickson. Okay, cool. Oh, boy, yikes. All right, so, guys, <laughs> if you are joining us live in the chat, hello. Please keep up with the conversation. Chime in. We love having yes. you here with us. If you are not watching us live, you can join the conversation by going on to Twitter and using the hashtag ABTV. Fargo. Also, this show is available wherever you can find podcasts, but please go into iTunes, like, subscribe, rate us five stars, let our producers know that you think we're doing a good job, give us a little pat on the back, we love you for it. Also, uh, as has been well documented, I need those five-star reviews to live. To, to live. Uh, yeah. It's a very rare condition, still uh, trying to pin down a name, I hope they name it after me. Now, <laughs> Season 3, Episode 8. We are, as I alluded to in our little cold open, we are now hard pivoting into our home stretch. We've got two episodes left after the one we're going to talk about today. And it did feel to me like we are, we're doing a lot of uh, uh, rotating of our pieces to get everybody where we need to be for the final two episodes. But as always, right up top, uh, general thoughts from both of you on this episode. Oh, this was a good one. This was like, this was nice, weird... People tweeting at us like before we even got to see it because yeah. we have to watch it basically when I, I tend to watch it as soon as it goes online because I don't have a normal TV like normal people. So I uh, had to see it late la- late night, but people were already tweeting at me just being kind of like, this is a weird one. Well, a couple oh, people, including I think like uh, as recently as today, maybe this morning or late last night, I think Ryan Wittalison on Twitter uh, specifically phrased the question thusly, wanted to ask us if yeah. we felt that we finally got our the supernatural a... moment that we've been waiting for all season. Right. Yes. I mean, I would say if it gets I weirder. I would say yes. Yeah, if it gets weirder or more supernatural than this, then they're overdoing it. They're like, it's going past their UFO moment. Because it feels like this is around the time the UFO kind of happened, was towards the penultimate ending, or... I want to say, in a, in season two, it was the big shootout at the motel, right? So that would be second to last. That would be the penultimate episode. Yeah. yeah. And so it's get. This is like the third. This is the penultimate to the penultimate. It's, I think anti-penultimate, I think, is the, is the term, I believe. Yeah. Ooh, that's yeah. very smart. Um, anti-penultimate episode. And I think, uh, like, it's also... I think the showering of the frogs and stuff and the and the fish from the first one yes. is kind of a, happened along the same element. So it there could be more, but I feel like this was enough just to have this Twin Peaks crossover that we kind of ended yeah, up happening. Very very. It was great. I, I kind of loved it. It's it brings up questions. It makes you kind of wonder what's going on. Mm-hmm. But I think we'll touch upon that later. Quite a bit. Yeah. All I have to say is that the bow and arrow and the axe and that whole scene oh, yeah. uh, made my entire life. That's it. That was my most favorite part all of right. any of the all of the episodes. <laughs> that note, we're going to call it. Good night, everybody. <laughs> um, but so okay, we, I do. We we open with a continuation of our sequence from last week's episode, where right. you've got now Nikki and Mister Wrench teaming up to escape from Yuri and Mimo and undercover DJ Qualls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This is like. <laughs> I kind of wish there was a bit more of a nod to Old Brother Where Art Thou than I had that th- when they're running with the chain They're together. running with the chain, and yeah. I guess it is kind of Old Brother Where Art Thou <laughs> just because your prisoner's running with a chain. But I kind of wish there was some, like, oh, death, oh, or something happening as they're running. But uh, it was great. It was I was glad to see Wrench. <laughs> I mean, they set him up, and this is our only character we've seen every single season. So there was a chance that maybe they could just not do anything right. with him. <laughs> and I was also glad to see that Wrench was 
on the side of the angels, on the side of like, or at least helping Nikki out. Because I was a little worried. I think we talked last week about he was. They were going to show up and maybe they go were, on the other side, be together. Yeah, yeah. help out wrench or something. So, well, I think it's fitting that you you refer to it as being on the side of the angels right. because I feel like this is something uh-huh. that we get uh, less a wink and more an aggressive head shake in the direction of a little bit later. Yeah. But this whole sequence was incredibly harrowing. We finally got all of the the blood in the snow that Yuri was talking about when he was uh, longing for Siberia. Sure did. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. This was all... I think this episode was... Could have been titled Blood in the Snow. Sure. Because I think it was all about the blood in the snow. And ear. And ear. And ear. Ear to the ground, baby. <laughs> so we get, uh, before before we get this uh, incredibly violent encounter, we see Nikki and Mr. Wrench trying to communicate as they're running through the woods. Nikki yeah. discovers, of course, he's deaf to her great frustration. Mm-hmm. But you hear these uh, audio, uh, auditory flashbacks to the last, let's say, handful of days of, of Nikki's life. And you see, like, little things like the jacket that Wrench is wearing. Strikes her as looking incredibly similar to the jacket that that Ray would Ray, yeah. consistently yeah. wear. It's also the the jacket that she kind of gave him, right, to go and uh, do bridge. Was it was kind of a lot like that fringy jacket? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So you see, she's in this. She's. I mean, she's in the headspace. I think you would expect now somebody in her position to be in, and it's like she has to keep moving. But I like that this this uh, cumulative effect is starting to seemingly take a toll on her psyche. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I think it just means that, obviously, we've been struggling with, like, does she really, really care? Or is it just all about her and she's egotistical and, like, narcissistic? But I'm like, no. I, I think it just says more to her caring about Ray and their relationship. And it's right. going to hit her hard in a lot of different ways that maybe we wouldn't expect for a Nikki Swango. But yeah, she's thinking about that very last moment and being like, wow, that was the deciding moment. Like, I asked to go with him. Right. Right. So I think that she also feels guilty. I think in a previous episode, I think we might have talked about how the way she sees Ray is basically like seeing a kitten. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think, I think <laughs> we said puppy. I think we said puppy, but same general principle. So I think we kind of predicted what we was going to happen to Ray. That I think we're kind of on top of it. Not uh-uh. not to get not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but um, quite possibly the cutest small animal oh. in oh, television yeah. history. It's up there. It's up there. And we get like little close ups, and it's just like I'm sitting uh, there melting on my on my couch. Its eyes, yeah. And I feel like I'm not that guy usually, but I was just a mess. You became that I was guy. Just a mess over how adorable that kitten was. <laughs> but yeah. more on the kitten in a few minutes. We see that now, as Nikki and Mister Wrench are trying to escape through the woods, that obviously Yuri, Mimo, uh, DJ Qualls, who still he never really got a name, so he's just uh, it's Golem. He does have a name. G O L E M. It's Gollum. It's, it's it? Golem. It's Golem. Okay, where where was this? Which is, it's only in the credits. Okay. It's only in the credits, and you can see it on IMDb. Yeah. What's interesting is in the IMDb of the of the previous episode where he shows up, he's just syringe cop. And in this episode where he gets killed, uh, he's Golem, or, yeah, he's Golem. Be, which is odd, because it's an odd choice to choose, and I'm not sure why, except it's... Uh, uh, it's it's a term that's given to directly. It's given to like uh, the Jewish a Jewish um, mythical figure. Yes, of which is the clay brought to life and animated by uh, usually a rabbi, essentially to to serve a purpose. Yeah, to serve a purpose. And usually, it's one of those. It's a mindless creature. It's also given to someone who's uh, unable to talk most of the time. And is, uh, but is created. Oh, DJ Qualls, did, did he have any lines in he these did episodes? In, in the previous episode. Because that he talks like, to her when he has he her turn around her. and, and right. cuffs her to the but door. But not in this one. But what's interesting is that he's brought to life with a word that it's usually transcribed on his body. So it's usually transcribed on a golem's uh, forehead or something. Usually it's like truth, and then you, in order to kill it, you have to kind of wipe it away or turn it into death. Okay. Just write death, and then it just goes back to sleep. And it's usually just a big clay monster, kind of a Frankenstein sort of creature that doesn't have any kind of thoughts or feelings. Now, this golem did have a word transcribed onto him, which is Helga, which is yes. which is interesting, but yes, he's yes, also yes, fighting yes. with Yuri. So he's not like... 
So why who why would you fight him for? if Helga was yeah because and, he yeah that and, and usually a golem the most famous ideas of the golems are are working for rabbis and kind of working for people of God and he is definitely not working for people of God no so he is it's it's a strange choice to call him golem like I'm kind of I'm curious about why maybe you guys have thoughts about maybe why he was called golem when he's maybe he's like because he's on the sides of the devil. Well, my my next big question would then be what do the Jewish myths of golems have to say about taking their heads off? Well, that's a that's one to wipe you have to wipe away the the word right in order to bring them back. And now his word is on his 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 wrist, but I think taking his head off would probably would probably, probably, do, probably do it. Would probably, <laughs> would probably so we you, we get the sequence where as uh, they come upon this clearing, uh, Wrench and Nikki, and they find this dummy with a bunch of arrows in it, which is terrifying, and mm. and axe. And also terrifying because at first I thought maybe it was the what happened to those hunters that they found. Yes, I thought because you just saw a hanging, and there was like, two. There was two that crazy uh, that moment where for half a second it's like, oh, did we just unceremoniously off. Yuri, where the hunters mistake his wolf hat for an actual wolf, and they put an arrow through it. And then, of course, we see Yuri approach them from behind, and the next thing we see, Yuri's got a crossbow, and we don't know what happened to, right. to this. What looked like a father and son, so they're yeah. they're dead now. My I imagination assume. did the trick. I assume they're yeah. they're dearly departed. And they almost got Yuri. What if that's what took Yuri out? Right. It was like just the father and son <laughs> being like, I, got, I found a wolf! Yeah. I found a wolf I shot in well, the Well, like, his, his disguise, which is designed to terrify others, is what ultimately creates, a, it turns him into a giant target of sorts. Right. But, mm-hmm. of course, Yuri's a little, a little more wily than that, uh, and takes the crossbow and goes after Wrench and Nikki as well. As mm-hmm. Wrench is trying to smash this chain apart with an axe, he gets hit with an arrow, DJ Qualls comes in, there's a whole a whole kerfuffle, and then uh bless him, teamwork, and they they take that chain and they, they just work together. Decapitation. Cut his head right off. All it so takes good. Is, now we know what the D in DJ Qualls means. It means decapitation. Decapitation. No thank you. No points. Thank you. Everybody loves me. Oh, um, but I said the word first. No, okay. no points <laughs> awarded to anybody. I do have. Uh, uh, so we also should talk about what happens before they go into the woods because there is that moment of um, where they're all wearing the masks, yes. and I also think it's interesting what type of masks they're wearing because you have you have uh, Yuri with the wolf head on, and uh, you also have DJ uh, with the with Golem with the pig head, and then Mima's got that goat head on. Yeah. Goat head. So they're all uh, storybook figures. They're all like. Animals that you would find in like a Grimm's fairy tales or something like that. They were. So I think that leads to the whole narrative story side of it. Also, as they're coming out of the bus after the escape happens, you also see that couple drive by and see them and they have those eye contact and they keep driving. And that's like straight out of the Fargo movie. Yes. That's like seeing. Um, the crash happen, have the couple kind of see it, and then later they get you know, run off the road and then killed and then later when Gloria finds them. That's a very that's straight out of Fargo. That was like it was a nice nod to the original movie. Yes, very much mm-hmm. so. Yeah. So they they decapitate uh poor DJ Qualls. We hardly knew ye. And then we get this moment where the arrows are flying out from wherever they're flying out from and Mr. Wrench with the axe just flings it through the trees, and we don't know what happened, but we hear a sound as if it hit somebody. Mm-hmm. Come to find a little bit later, mm-hmm. very, very shortly thereafter, that we severed Yuri's ear. He with dumped that Van Gogh. Yeah, mm-hmm. so like Yuri's now wandering around. It's been a rough day for Yuri yeah. Gurkha. Sure has. All things, things have not gone the way he intended them to. I do not feel bad for him. No, he's a big <laughs> old jerk. I do not. <laughs> so Renger and Nikki. Uh, continued their their trek through the woods, and they come upon, of all things, a bowling alley. Mm-hmm. And and immediately I start going like, hmm, hmm, just making them just making little face scratchy sounds. Yeah, hmm, interesting. And they go in, and Wrench sits himself down. Nikki goes up to the bar, and looking okay. Looking around the interior of the bowling alley, is this not? Is it just that all bowling alleys look distressingly similar, or is I, it is. is? I think it is because I did when I was like getting excited to talk about this episode. I did post a tweet with uh, that from the Big Lebowski 
with a gif, and I did see that the Big Lebowski bowling alley does not look exactly the same. Okay. So if that's where you're going... So, no, it's just that they look similar. But what is cool about the design of this bowling alley, if you notice every single bowling ball, um, especially the bowling balls, but in the whole design, they all match uh, Nikki's coat. Interesting. Every single shade, and they're just, they're odd colors, too, because it's like brown... Yeah, Purple, it was like beige and beige. yeah, maroon. But every and like orange, but yeah, kind of like, and those are all uh, all the bowling balls fit that color range. So she matched perfectly when she went into that bowling alley. She, Interesting. She like blended in perfectly and it almost seemed like she was meant to be there. Right. So even though, uh, okay, as we've established, this is clearly not the exact same bowling alley uh, as seen in The Big Lebowski. I do think, obviously, the design of the place was meant to evoke it. We get the stars, those neon stars on the outside of the building. Yeah. I I assume that this is all, like, you know, like a a nudge towards the aesthetic of that bowling alley, if not the same location. But what is absolutely meant to evoke The Big Lebowski is Nikki sitting at the bar and this pan over, much in the same way that we reveal Sam Elliott's stranger character in Big Lebowski, we reveal the return of Ray Wise. Yeah. Who's playing his uh, character's name is... Oh, I had it right in front. Paul Moraine. Yes. Yes, which is interesting, and uh, when he starts to talk, he doesn't sound like he's of this world. No, he starts talking about, he starts like spouting off uh, like deep philosophy immediately. Mm-hmm. We were talking about before we got into the studio to record how, we were talking about how much it felt like Twin Peaks, which is now back on TV. This sequence very much from obviously the presence of Ray Wise yeah, to the, ver- the, Palmer. the yeah. weird dreamlike ethereal nature of the setting and the dialogue. The fact that uh, much like the new episodes of Twin Peaks, they're having this conversation, but there is not much in the way of background music at all. There's just a bit of a mm-hmm. tone in yeah. the background. So it felt for a second with if, if Mary Elizabeth Winstead was not in the scene, I would have had to do a double take and check. Am that I, I was, watching the right show? Right. Am <laughs> yeah. I, right, yeah. Right. But so it felt like this was maybe the White Lodge because we yes. haven't seen the White Lodge. So I thought maybe the White Lodge was if for Twin Peaks fans. They'll know what that means. But, yeah. yeah, so he, he's talking about uh, all the days are long. He's talking about the nature of existence. And then he says, oh, I've got something for you. And he produces this tiniest, most adorable little kitten that I've ever seen. And for, for a second, I was like, this show likes to hurt my feelings. Is mm-hmm. something bad going to happen to this to kitten? Kitty. So that Ghost oh. Ray Wise can make some, some type of point. Thankfully, it did not. Kitten gets to be cute the entire yeah. scene. Spoilers, nothing bad happens to the kitten. Thankfully. There were no <laughs> sacrifices made via no. feline. But the uh, he's t- he talks DJ about DJ Qualls gets his head cut off, but the cat is fine. <laughs> the, cat the cat stays. stays. <laughs> Cat's fine. He's talking about the uh, this uh, concept that I think has uh, connections to Kabbalah, right? And it's this concept yeah. of Gilgal, where an old soul is reincarnated into a new body. And mm-hmm. to that point, he says that he named this cat Ray. Mm-hmm. Ray, basically saying, "Hey, this is your boyfriend. Yeah, <laughs> look at this cute cat who's uh-huh. now who's your boyfriend." And this whole scene, you get the impression, right, like, uh, Dave, you just compared it to, like, the White Lodge on Twin Peaks. And mm-hmm. if you're familiar with Twin Peaks mythology, the lodges, or at least the, the rooms that we see in this supernatural realm, seem to be um, almost a, like a stopgap or a waiting room of sorts. Yeah. And this felt like, based on the conversation that Ray Wise was having with Mary Elizabeth Winstead, it seems very much like this bowling alley, which isn't yeah. really a bowling alley. She saw a bowling alley for whatever reason. Well, yeah. and so did, and you got the sense that so did Yuri later on. It's still on. the same, So yeah. it is like a bow, that he doesn't see a bowling alley, but she sees a bowling alley is what he implied, because she has that, why are you in a bowling alley, and then he says, is that what you see? Right. So that's why we get that It's sense. like purgatory. Yeah, so it is. A, there is a question of like who Ray Wise is in this. Now, there's a couple of theories that we can go along. It's it's a lot like how the way Sam Elliott in um, Big Lebowski kind of seems like he's God, like he's this omnipresent narrator, and now he he finally talks to the dude, yeah, and they have like a conversation, and it feels like he's almost talking to God, and because it's shot almost exactly like that, Big Lebowski's scene and almost feels like he's God or a religious figure. But a lot of people are already mentioning this in the chat, is that uh, he's he could be um, a mythical figure called the Wandering Jew, which is uh, kind of an immortal person who kind of wanders the earth for several reasons. There's some there's uh, some the origin of the Wandering Jew ranges from 
Christianity based to uh, to other reasons as well. But it is an immoral figure who's tied in with the Jewish faith, who's always there, and he yeah. seems to be like constantly talking about his Jewish faith in this scene. Yes, yeah, which is odd coming from Ray Wise because to me he just seems so waspy. <laughs> but like, maybe it's just because of Twin Peaks. But I just always see him as like a hardcore wasp. Sure. But, Maybe I'm wrong, but he's uh, the the stuff that he says is very spiritual, tied in with tied in, in with the rabbi linking souls to a specific place. Yes, especially souls that uh, a place that is filled with a lot of death, and uh, being a rabbi connecting their souls to that death in order to free free the rest of the souls, like um, like the rabbi souls. That's why he tells a story about a rabbi who does that. After the Bolsheviks um, it had a mass grave in, yes. in Russia, which is, is kind of important to what happens later. Yes, mm-hmm. we get we get a lot that suggests very strongly that this this bowling alley or whatever it actually is when it isn't a bowling alley is a bit of a like a limbo type place where you mm-hmm. pass through on your way to whatever version of heaven and or hell that this mythology subscribes to. And that's where we get this line where he, Ray Wise, uh, Paul, acknowledges Mr. Wrench, and they basically say, you know, like, well, we didn't really know where he was going to end up either. I had some some reservations about this guy, but it seems like he's turned around and he's on a better path now. Yeah. Which is nice. He's like, good for Mr. Wrench. Yeah, good for <laughs> Mr. Wrench. We also have people in the chat. One person says, uh, Kaiser Wilhelm II. Who I think I saw in this room, in this chat room, like an hour before we started. So good on you for keeping conversation way before we started. But he said uh, that Ray Wise is basically the anti-Malvo, which is an interesting way of looking at him. Because Malvo was such like a destructive force and almost like the devil. Now we have this godlike character who's kind of being benevolent and helping people mm-hmm. in this season. I want to watch them box each other. Yeah, I want to see them meet. It's <laughs> yeah. kind of like, and just have this, we are manly men, like, look to each other. It'd be great. So, Ray Wise's character, Paul, and maybe maybe he's God, maybe he's an emissary of God. It is it is unclear, but mm-hmm. he clearly has some influence, some otherworldly influence upon our reality. Says to Nikki that there is a car outside you guys can take and yeah, go. I also love how he says, um, ironically, it's a green VW bug but its sins have been wiped clean. Uh, yeah. Which is in reference to the Volkswagens being involved with the Nazis, and uh, and a lot of a lot of people of Jewish faith are banned Volkswagens and never really want to use them because they've been tied to the Nazi party. So that's why he mentions that the sins have been wiped clean. Yes. For yeah. people who don't know. Yes, and so off Nikki and Wrench go, but not before this final moment, and again, we, we keep talking about these moments that do key us into what Nikki's true feelings for Ray were. Mm-hmm. This idea that maybe this little cat is, like is Ray reincarnated, uh-huh. and so uh, Paul tells her, uh, I'm going to help you out, but in exchange, when the time comes, there's a message for the wicked that you need to impart. So he gives her the message, and she says, okay, but my condition is Next time the gophers are on, pour him a little bit of beer and he'll he'll like it, which is so like heartbreakingly sweet. Yeah. yeah. And I'm already like on emotional pins and needles because this kitten is so dang adorable. And that that line, I swear, I'm just sitting there and I'm going like, oh god, it's gonna happen. All right. All right. And we should note also uh, keep in mind that Ray Wise's character, someone was brought up on the chat uh, that he did appear in episode three he did. in Hollywood. And talking to Gloria. And the plane. Yeah, and the plane. Yeah, and he's, twice. He seems to be there to kind of help guide people in the story who are kind of on a lighter shade of gray, at least. Because Nikki's not perfect. Let's let's don't pretend that Nikki's For perfect. Sure. No, I'm actually, I'm right now, separate and apart from watching Fargo and the number of other shows that I'm watching, I'm most of the way through re-watching Battlestar Galactica, where the lightest of light spoilers, they introduced this in the pilot, there are essentially angel-like characters that show up to guide a couple of characters on the show. So my yeah. brain is already right in that, like, narrative sweet spot where I'm just so ready to accept that that's what's happening in a story. Yeah. So I didn't even think that much. I was just like, oh yeah, okay, so he's a spirit of some kind. Great. It's gonna yeah. help him out. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> yeah, and they seem to be helping. Yeah, it, they seem to be guiding people. Now, the flip side of that coin is after Wrench and Nikki depart in this car, 
Yuri stumbles across, and now um, right. sends one ear. Yuri stumbles across this bowling alley as well, and he shows up and he asks the bartender for napkins and vodka. Mm-hmm. And Raywise is still at the bar, and he knows that his name is Yuri Gurkha, and he says that he has a message from Helga Albrecht. And yeah, and keep in mind that Helga is the the girlfriend. That's also her name is written on the golem, but also. Uh, <laughs> In the very first episode. That weird prologue where they're looking for Yuri Gurkha yeah. who's committed a murder and they're going to pin it on this guy who insists he isn't Yuri Gurkha. Right. The victim was Helga, Helga. Albrecht. Yeah. yeah. So there, the Helga needs some redemption and is some of the first blood to be spilt um, amongst all these Bolsheviks. Yes. Kind of uh, murders. That's, you know, I'm saying that as like, because that's kind of what Yuri is. He's He's even referred to as like the son of the wolves of the he has a, a very descriptive way that Ray Wise like describes yeah. him. He's like a Cossack but the, Cossack, the head of the yeah. yeah. Mother Cossack. of Dragons, breaker of chains. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, uh Paul has a message for him from Helga Albrecht and Rabbi Nachman and Yuri has no idea how you know about this, how do you know who I am? And he basically looks directly into the camera and we get what I guess is now his POV and we see what what I have to assume are the ghosts of his many victims yeah. staring him directly in the face. Mm-hmm. And that's the last we see of Yuri in this episode. It could be the ghosts of his many victims and the ghost of uh, the Cossacks' many victims. Too. Yes. So it could be kind of both because he's kind of aligned himself with the Cossacks, which is kind of... That's like old-school anti-Semitism. So it's kind of... <laughs> it's like, let's take it back further than... Is it further than the Nazis? I think it is further than the Nazis. Or is it... I don't know my history. But it's kind of like an anti-Semitism we don't really tend to talk about. Yes. I think we tend to go right towards it's, Nazis. It's the even less <laughs> sexy yeah. anti-Semitism. Sure. Um, also, someone brings up because... And I want to mention this now because this is the last we see of Yuri, suspiciously, of the episode. But um, I saw this brought up on Reddit as well, and Wally Russ has brought this up in our chat... That also the one ear being cut off might be a reference to the soldier Saint Peter, uh, cut who the soldier that Saint Peter cut the ear off of, and then Jesus later healed. So that's it's another spiritual connection, and one thing that might be interesting. Someone I think in Reddit brought this up too, that if he comes back later in a later episode, and he has his hear his ear healed. That might be a direct reference to that sort of... So he might be evil Jesus. Or he might be purged, and he might be on a path of redemption himself. Uh So no one's beyond redemption, and if he's maybe on the path of redemption... Also, if he doesn't have an ear, he does talk about how Helga talk, 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 talks his ear off. Talks his ear off. So now he won't won't really have to listen to it. It might make him not such a jerk. Nice burn, Helga, from the grave. But it is an interesting, it's an interesting thing to speculate about, and we can speculate a little bit further at the end of the episode when we jump into predictions, but we do get, pretty shortly after the next bit that we're going to talk about, we get a time jump, yeah. and during this, this interim period that we're skipping over, apparently Yuri has not returned or been seen. So yeah. if you are Varga, I think the very last thing you would want is Yuri, of all people, heading down a path of redemption and possibly coming back on you. That that yeah. would that would probably it, 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 your party would be a little little more awkward, I think. Yeah, yeah, for um, sure. Also, by the way, in uh, in the chat, Samurai of the Dark, cool name, Samurai of the Dark, brought up that Helga means holy or blessed. So that's another thing to kind of keep in mind. If that's like the holy written script on the golem, right? And also, you know, that's who he destroyed later. Yes. Okay. So. As as you mentioned, uh, Gloria is dealing with... Sorry, one more yes. thing, because this chat is killing it right Let's now. Let's do it. Sluice Friggins, another cool it's name. fantastic says, name. And the guy who de-eared him is deaf. Irony. Yeah, Which I kind of like, too. That's really mm-hmm. good. And also a lot of people More think, ironic than the VW, is what he said. Yeah. And, good uh, calls. A lot of people think that uh, uh, he is beyond redemption after Varga has already recruited him. So that's a good point too. That's the thing. It's like I there are there are characters in fiction who do terrible things, but you can redeem. The one I always point to immediately, like right off the top of my head, is like Spike on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, right. one of the greatest redemptive arcs uh, on television for yeah. my money. And he's done some truly horrible things. 
Yuri, I think, is as depicted so far as a type is a type of evil that I don't know is necessarily redeemable. We haven't seen anything but that blackness. That's from very that true. Yeah. Well, well, Nikki is kind of not a great person, but is also is redeemable. We, we've consistently been shown her humanity. Yes, like the, the worst thing you could say about her is that she's manipulative and she is and a she criminal and murdered she's, right. She totally murdered the dude with the air conditioner. But that guy was also a terrible human being. So, so yeah, kind of evens out. But yeah. point being right, we do we've seen consistently humanity uh, throughout from Nikki, despite her, her transgressions. We have not seen any such humanity from Yuri. We've just right. seen this pitch black like well. Yuri yeah. doesn't get a chance for anyone to be like, let's show us your humanity. You are like a workhorse person that I hired to go murder people. Right. And I don't think anyone would ever think anything other than that. So it's like, that would be kind of a cool side story if that were to ever approach him to be like, let's see this other side of Yuri. Might be kind of interesting, but... I kind of like most bad guy. Sitcom, four camera sitcom. There's no he's room got, for he's him got an to, for any redemption, but I'm saying, yeah, let's give let's give Yuri an apartment in New York and got let's wacky see. Wacky neighbors. Yeah, let him have <laughs> a girlfriend. The every episode, he kills him with for a whip for two weeks, and then uh, he'll lose his mind and murder everyone. <laughs> Yikes! It'll be great. So we get a brief check in with Gloria as she's driving past. She talks to the people who are handling the the bus crash scene, and they give right. her no small amount of guff. And then we jump over to... They're, they are better than than Mo, though. They're at least somewhat professional about yeah, it. Yeah, they at least give her the information that she needs to know, and they treat her like another cop. Yes. She just... She's not a U.S. Marshal. Right. It does feel like, yes, the, specifically the Marshal uh, gives that line. It's like, are you a U.S. Marshal? I thought that was yeah. such a jerk move. It though. is. He didn't yeah. need to. It absolutely is. Now. But at least, if you're going to be a jerk, at least be a jerk based on your rank and not about the not gender about of the person you're other, talking to. I yeah. agree. Like it's a sm- it's, small step up, small, right. but but a, yeah, it's, you know, yeah, give him like it's it's a little gross, but like the yeah, tiniest yeah, yeah. bit of credit where credits due. Yeah. So we check in with her briefly, but then we jump over to Emmett's house, and of course Vargas seems to have uh, stay. He seems to be living there basically when he's not in his trailer with his computers. Right. Uh, Mimo's also hanging out there. We get to see Mimo dance a lot this episode, which is yeah, pretty great. He was yeah, like he's a, moving and grooving, Mimo. Pretty he's like great. an iPod ad. That guy. He was. <laughs> Apple music, Mimo. <laughs> yeah. So, Sai comes to the house, and Varga tells him that Emmett is upstairs sleeping, and Mimo and Varga are in the middle of eating. Varga says, I'm going to make you a plate of food, puts a plate oh, of food in Sai. front of Sai. And like, like, way too much food, too. He's being like, this is how normal people eat, right? Gluttonous. Yeah. And then you purge. Just go ahead. And he tells Sai that you now you're going to get this $5 million bonus. Congratulations. And Sai has no idea what's happening. He's very uncomfortable. He's like, well, we just got right. our bonuses. And Vargas is like, nah, it's another one. It's great. This is, is so awesome here. Have some tea. This is my, my mother's recipe. Mm-hmm. Oh, why would you drink that tea, How do dude? you not? I get. How do you not know, Sai? Like, how do you not run? Like, how do you not just right. run out of that? Even if you assume if you run, somebody's going to shoot and kill you, at least you have a shot at not Drinking, drinking the, tea. the tea. Also, best case scenario, that tea has touched his balls. Worst case scenario, <laughs> worst case scenario, you're getting you're poisoned. You're gonna die. Like, come on. Yeah. So that is ultimately what happens. He Ty comments on the tea being a little bit bitter, and drink some more of it at Varga's urging. It doesn't taste like balls though, so that's something. So that's that's a new thing. Mm-hmm. That's something. Um, and. <laughs> Ta-da! No ball taste. So that scared me. (laughs) (laughs) So Sai gets as far as the lobby of the Stussy building again before he vomits and he passes out. And Mm -hmm. Sai falls into a coma where he remains for about three months. Yeah, three months because it's everything that happens in this episode happens on Christmas Day. Yes. So they they established that well with and now, Gloria and the presents and on all that stuff. Yes. And now so, we're in March. March. Yeah. yeah. And you see it on a on a whiteboard. Good job. Very clearly. Good job with the time progression. And you also see Sai's beard. Yes. Because he's been in a coma for three months. Yes. And he's, yeah. Emmett is at his bedside. And as he emerges from the room, Gloria and Winnie are still, they're there waiting for him. And I love the second he comes out, before they say anything, he's just like, no, and like tries to keep walking. Right. And they're hounding him, and they're talking about how, how bizarre it is. It seems almost like maybe he was, he was poisoned. And they reference, like, that Russian guy, which is 
Oh, the poisoning of Alexander. Uh, I had it. Lit Litvinenko. Lit, Litvinenko. Wow. Yeah. Which is another another pretty overt nod at Russian the like, antics of, yeah. um, of you know uh, Vladimir, Vladimir Putin. Putin, <laughs> Becca, United States president. Check yeah. those cuticles. Check those cuticles. I don't want to get. I don't want to get poisoned. I'm drinking a little. Uh, I'm drinking a little beverage right here. I don't want to get uh, no poison on this. Uh. <laughs> so uh, they're, they're giving him. They're giving him guff as they do. They're poking mm. at him some more. And now, okay. It's been three months, and there are characters that we do not catch up with after this time jump in this episode. We don't know right now where Yuri is. We don't know where Nikki and Wrench went yeah. off to. We do know that someone is messing with Emmett. Yep. Real, real Someone's bad. telltelling heart him bad. They're kind of like, he's here in the heart underneath the floorboards with the, uh, with the Ray's car in, in place of his car. Yes. And yep. then he goes back to the office, and the, the, the stamps everywhere. That was great. Ton of stamps. Yes. Ton of stamps. And Just a lot of stamps. A lot of stampy stampy. He, he is he's melting down, and the the I guess it's the receptionist runs in, or is his assistant, and it's like, what's what's going on? And he starts yelling about the the stamp pictures, which shows us conclusively that a this is not a hallucination because she sees it as well. Right. Mm-hmm. And and b I love that. She is now so used to Varga being a presence, and she's, she knows him now well enough to know, like, oh, Mr. Varga just does things sometimes. Do you want me to call him? I'll call Mr. Varga for you, and we can talk yeah. about it. And Emma's just like, no, don't don't call Mr. No, Varga. No, no. Yeah. yeah. Just in case it is him for some reason. But it doesn't seem like it is him, because Emmett gives him a call and complains about it. Yes. Right? And says, and Varga seems to be brushing it off and not thinking it's actually a threat at all. Even though it definitely is. Well, something's up. Something's and like going after him. And if it's not Varga messing with Emmett, yeah. then you'd think Varga would be a little bit more concerned. Right. I well, agree. Yeah, because someone is like, do you think it is Varga messing with Emmett? Is that what you're saying? Well, I, I'm not sure because think about how... If- I. Yeah. I kind of felt like it was only because those stamps are a constant reminder of what Emmett did to Ray, and that also helps Varga in the situation of like, I cleaned up your mess. You killed your brother, and I helped you and cleaned it up. Oh, could- so like, okay. it's just like be reminded of this whole stamp issue. It goes back to how you killed your brother, and I saved you. Right. I still Except- don't know. That's just one reason what? where I'm like Varga seems like he would do. And that. not for nothing, if Varga is now a full partner in this company. If if you make Emmett quote unquote disappear, that raises a lot of questions. And yeah, Varga could probably wiggle his way out of it, but that's a very complicated. It's a very complicated enterprise, especially you've dealt with Psy effectively, and nobody's looking at Varga about that. If you make Emmett go away, then people are looking, and you don't want people to That's look. That's true. But right. if you drive Emmett so crazy that he has to be say institutionalized, that he maybe kills himself, suddenly right. that partner's yeah. gone, and that whole company, all that money, that entire enterprise is suddenly Varga's. Right. But it seems so clear that what what's the first thing that's going to happen before he gets driven mad or kills himself or something is he's gonna he's gonna confess to the crime, which he ultimately does. Which is why again I start to go. I don't think I, it think, was him. You'd think Varga would have thought that far ahead. Yeah, I, I would don't agree. Think it was Varga. Right. I think but, it was someone else. But then, before we even get to that moment, after the car, after the stamps in the picture frames all over the office, somebody had to get into Emmett's house, presumably past Mimo, mm-hmm. while Emmett was asleep, to put a fake mustache. Fake, that on was him. the thing uh-huh. that threw me. I was like, I don't know if it's Varga. But that's who else. My question was who else could have gotten past Mimo or whoever else, or Varga himself, or who else might have been stationed there? I have a theory, but we could save it for a prediction. Let's we're so close, so let's let's hold it for one minute. So let's see. Emmett might be crazy, and then okay. So one of the last scenes in the episode after Emmett rips most of this mustache off of his face, right is a scene between him and Varga where Varga tells him the story of Hiru Onada, who is the Japanese soldier who refused to surrender years after World War II and yeah. was uh, hiding in the, the Philippines mountains. And I wanted to ask you guys what 
you took from this story because especially when you brought up you brought up the wandering Jew myth yeah and I didn't think about it while I was watching this episode but once you brought that up I my brain started drawing connections between that myth and the idea of these post World War II Japanese stragglers right. these people who are in in their own right wanderers of a sort so I was trying to figure out what is the what do you guys think might be the thematic through line here. Well, I feel like the biggest line with it was that he was the last man to die for an ideal. So it's like, who's going right. to be the person that dies in the in the most extravagant way for a really strong ideal in in this? And I'm like, I don't, yeah. I don't have a clear grasp of who that would be just yet. I mean, I'm re- not sure. I read it as Varga was bringing it up to be kind of like, get over it, dude. Don't don't die on a hill for like your dead brother. That's in the past. We're not talking about the past anymore. Like move on, move yeah. on. We're having, mm-hmm. which is why I don't think it was Varga driving him insane. Because I think Varga really, if anything, he would just like a complacent, just do as I say, keep being around as the head of this right. person. He doesn't want someone to go insane and gain a conscience, and that's kind of what's happening with this. And he's saying, don't be this lost, this lost wanderer who's still fighting for a cause that's long over. The war's lost. Mm-hmm. You have, I think he says you've won. You won life. Yeah, you won life. You've won so life. So weird. But in reality, I think he's saying you lost. I mean, you you have lost, and you're wandering in the woods, and you you think you're fighting for this ideal that's already been beaten. The emperor's, you know, already surrendered. Your your brother is dead. So come back, come over to my side, play happy, play good, and don't be the lost wanderer in the woods because that's how you're just you're gonna end up dying. You're going to be this lost wanderer. So I think that's what he's saying, but I could be wrong. And and one of the last things that happens is Varga offers Emmett some sedatives. Now, I don't think that he was actually, I don't think he'd be uh, poisoning Emmett in this scene. I think it was right. literally just, just, shut up, dude. Go sleep this off and we'll talk about it tomorrow. Yeah. Emmett, in maybe the, the least naive move by far that he's made the entire season, actually apparently successfully fakes out Varga and Mimo fakes taking the pills. Mimo throws him on his bed, leaves him there, takes off his shoes, and I guess pieces. Emmett was able to, I guess, leave fairly easily without being detected, so maybe that does explain how somebody got in and put the mustache on yeah, him. Yeah, because right. there's only two people. They don't have, like, armed guards around. There's right. just, like, two people kind of guarding the place. They're powerful enough that if something goes wrong, they're they're on top of it, but yeah. Also, I don't think it was the first time they gave him that sedative because when when Sai came over, it was like, oh, he's asleep. He may took a, a pill, two, maybe three. Yeah. he's just please leave type deal. Where yeah. I'm like, I feel like once he gave him those red pills, the reason he was like, I'm not going to take these because this they've done this to me for the past however many days. Yes, right. I feel like it's, it just it wasn't the first time. They're just keeping him sedated. Exactly. Yeah, so um, he's not going nuts. By the way, before we get any further, I do want to say Wally Russ has a great uh, point. And I'm about to sneeze. Maybe I won't. But um, he says the last Imperial soldier is totally Gloria. It, it cuts Bless from you. the story to Gloria surrounded by computers. Bless you. Thank you. Thank you for helping me complete that thought. You are so welcome, Mr. Dave Child. Um, and that's a good point, is that she is like still fighting. Uh, she She hasn't given up to computers yet. She hasn't given up to technology. So she is also a wanderer in that way where she's not giving up her cause. So, anyways, let's continue because she comes into the story yes, One mm-hmm. One uh, decisive move that Gloria does make in this episode, a, a very Gloria-light episode overall, but one decisive move she does make is she finally signs the divorce papers. Mm-hmm. Right. I was trying to figure, those were divorce papers. I, it said, said. Uh, yeah. for, for disillusion of marriage, I saw, like, printed on them. Okay, so, okay. Yes. Yeah. I almost, like, was wondering if that was, because it happened so fast and I didn't get a chance to go back. But I almost wondered if that was dissolution of the case or something. No, it was... No, because uh, it has his last name on there. Okay, yeah. good. So her, her soon-to-be ex-husband had already signed, and I guess it was it had taken her a little bit longer to finally make the decision. That's yeah. interesting that as soon as the decisive move happens... We In also, walks Emmett. Yeah, get a decisive move from Emmett. Who arrives at the police station to confess. Right? Yeah. And on that, we go to credits. I feel like Gloria rules the land of denial in this because she's no longer denying that. It was like in yeah. the envelope. She was going to drop it off and not and not send it back signed to be like, I'm denying this. I don't. This isn't happening. And then 
something happened where she just was like, you know what? Screw it. And just signed it and was like, boom. No no longer in denial. And then I yeah. think right after that she was like, you can't call me chief anymore. I'm I'm just just uh, like you. Just she like walks out and then boom. Place. Yeah. She knows exactly where she stands and fits now and is like accepting it. She mm-hmm. so she no longer rules the land of denial. She's past it. Yeah, so, I mean, she's past it. I'm, I'm saying she's, like, overcome it, where it's like, you've right. overcome it because you've actually been like, I was in denial, and I'm accepting, like, I'm not dealing with that anymore. Well, and this is something I've we've been talking it. about with Gloria all season, the yeah. fact that she's existing as this collection of contradictions with one foot on both sides of it. Yeah. And now it does seem exactly like what you're saying, like she's finally settled mm-hmm. on one, maybe settled's a bad word, but she's finally come down decisively on either side, depending on what it is. And, like, yeah, now things are actually happening. Things are yeah. moving forward in a way that they couldn't before because right. she did exist as a collection of those contradictions. And also yeah. Emmett's uh, making a decision too that's that's getting rid of his denial, denial as that well. he was like constantly in. Yeah. But if anyone's ruling the land of denial it's Varga because that's how he rules in general. He loves denial. He loves like having mm-hmm. having all these people. That's That's a great point because I couldn't get, when I was trying to think of the the point of the name of this episode, I couldn't get past the like, the uh, the dad joke of it's just a river in Egypt. <laughs> he's just like, and because there's a lot of like, uh, there's a lot of people talking about how the Jews are being oppressed and all that stuff, and I was like, well, they were also oppressed in Egypt too. So is that what they're going with this? Oh, God. <laughs> I thought it was maybe another one of those, but no, it's you're that's a much better point. <laughs> It turns out all the titles are dad jokes. Yeah. Mm. All dad That's jokes. That's all secret dad. That'll be next season. It'll be like dad secret jokes. Secret dad jokes. Yeah. Also, didn't you guys think it was really sad when Emmett was like, Emmett was explaining, he said, Emmett, play with me. Like, Emmett, watch me. That he was thinking about his brother, his yeah. like, little brother being like, I thought that was so sad. I was like, yeah, that's... Yeah, he finally he, saw Ray as his as little a, brother. As his again. little brother, not like him taking over and taking advantage of him as this like, awful older brother and him, you know, with these conflicting thoughts, he just went back to, like, the good times that he had with his brother, which I was like, right. that's well, so I sad. think the least selfish version of Emmett we've ever seen. Yeah. And I think he's finally seeing how, like, he references them losing their father when they were younger, but then losing Ray, and he just recently, his family just completely walked out on him as well. I think this sense of loss is finally catching up with him as well in a way that's forcing him to stop and go, oh, I, I had these things, and they're gone now. Yeah, right. and it didn't have to be this way. It was. It was very. It was heartbreaking. And so you can see, you can easily buy how now it's a dang shame it took this long. But why Emmett's now finally ready to go and and confess his yeah. sins at work? Yeah. Do we want to quickly go to predictions? I think we want to because you seemed to, you wanted to hit something. Oh, yeah, he had TV something. Predictions. I have no idea. Well, I'm curious about like because the, the last time we saw Nikki was with Wrench. So, and we know Wrench is connected to the Fargo mob. Yes. So what might end up happening, and I'm curious about this, is if she sometime, somehow gains forces with Wrench and, and the Fargo mob, and now she might actually have the, uh, the manpower after these three months to actually go after Ray. Because I think if anyone's putting those pictures up and is trying to mess with, I'm sorry, Emmett. If anyone's trying to mess with Emmett, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be Nikki and maybe... Her knowledge is helping the mob mess with Varga because they probably want to take down Varga because I doubt they're on the same page. I bet they're competing forces. Mm-hmm. So that's my prediction, and I think it's going to get... It looks like the next week on, I saw very late last night, mm-hmm. but it seems like it's going to be kind of complicated, and I think that's why it's going to be complicated. See, I don't see these next week ons that you see. Me neither. So I never know. I, I never always, watch you, them, yeah, you explain them to me every week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget this one, because oh. it's one of those that they're like, they're not revealing much. They're just going like, boom, 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 and Donnie being like, you know, this this case is complicated. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, that's, it's that sort of thing. Because now I think Gloria is going to be able to get the law on her side, like she was hoping yeah. from the beginning. So... We'll I foresee that. I think Gloria's going to go a long way. I think she'll be more in in the next episode. I hope so, only because now she knows fully where she stands. She's no longer the chief. She can just like fully do her job, but also not have to be the chief. Like she can kind of be in the shadows a little bit more, not have to like run everything, and hopefully dig deep as she has been yeah. last week and not really playing chief. Just kind of like I, I think we'll see a lot more of her next episode. I feel right. like a lot of things will break through. And also, I kind of want to see, does Pi and Nikki and Gloria ever happen? Because I feel like maybe it will. 
I feel. Remember, pie? she's like, pie. how Nikki asked for pie, and that was oh, the one time that coconut. Nikki would actually talked, and she's like, I like coconut with the sprinkles on it. And I'm like, Glory would remember that and be like, if there's any moment that I can get a moment with Nikki, I'm go. She will have coconut pie because you Gloria know, is the best. Every single. I want to see that happen. Every single season of Fargo, Tenna ends with a dinner. Usually, uh-huh. it usually ends with like people get coming together and having sitting down for their normal dinner and their lives returning. Yeah. So it would be interesting if be it ends with like them eating, eating pie, pie and Nikki gets some little chocolate flakes on there. Yeah, that'd be cool. And also, um, don't forget the the story of Peter and the Wolf. Because right now we have the cat has just disappeared, yep. like in the initial story of Peter and the Wolf. And now the uh, bird, right? And that's that's Emmett is coming to Peter and that's who Peter uses to draw out the wolf in order to defeat the wolf is the bird and I believe Emmett is tied to the bird after the duck is swallowed by the wolf which was Ray so it seems like it's it's there that's that is more or less what happened I mean yeah and now so what might happen now is in order to get Varga they'll use Emmett as bait is what I think is going to happen Mm-hmm. According to the Peter and the Wolf story, I like so we'll it. See. I like. Well, we're gonna find out soon because there's only two more episodes Aww. this season. I'm incredibly excited. I think that is probably gonna do it for this episode of ABE TV Fargo. Unless either one of you have any final thoughts, if you want to put a nice little bow on top of our discussion, now's the time. Coconut cream pie, chocolate flakes. Beautifully mm. done. I feel great about that. And so we will see you guys next week to talk about the penultimate episode. But until then, my friends, where can people find you on the internet? Guys, find me on YouTube.com backslash Tara Erickson. Twitter at the Tara Erickson. Instagram at Tara Erickson. Boom. Go. Ooh, you can find me at MRDaveChild or DaveChild.com. My name is Dave Child. Uh... <laughs> and I am all over social media at the Lex Michael. We will see you guys next week. In the meantime, if you're going into the woods, leave your wolf hat at home. We will see you at some point soon. We love you. Bye-bye. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. What, what we're, we're saying, saying is we, we want, want pie. pie. Just give us pie. Get a pie, lot of pie, it. Pie, pie. We want like pie. seven oh, pie. pies. Oh, cherry, the blue, bye, bye. Coconut. The views expressed herein are those of the host only. Do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. <laughs> 